1: This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Listen Now, the podcast where we go through the most important rockinest albums of all time. This season, which we're starting today, we're focusing on albums from the 1980s. I'm your host, Matt Stewart. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Sam Tonkin. Welcome, Sam.
0: Welcome, Matt. G'day, bloody g'day.
1: So good to be back in the Listen Now studios. Yes, it
0: is. How are you? How are you doing? How's life?
1: I'm all right. I've been listening to some great 80s tunes lately. Some rock albums? Getting ready for... Yeah. I mean, this season, you know... It's not. It's not all just hard rock like it was with uh, season one and Cold Chisel. I mean, they even in, inside Cold Chisel they hit so many different genres. Anyway, there was obviously a little bit of rockabilly, rockabilly, bit of reggae, bit of reggae. But uh, yeah, I think we're going to be um, tracking over similar territory this season Excellent. from what I've seen. Uh, I've, I've been trying not to look too far ahead.
0: Oh, yeah. I've so got it all
1: ranked down. Matt's, and I've just, Only
0: Matt knows what's coming.
1: got it in a spreadsheet and I'm just sort of squint at it when I look just to see the, is the next couple of weeks. Is
0: that because you're trying to not read anything or because you need glasses? Well, both, yeah. yeah
1: no. Yep, yep, yep. Good, good. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'm excited today. We're going to be talking about Huey Lewis and the News' classic album, their third album, Sports. Sports. Did you have much of a relationship with Huey growing up?
0: Um, Look, I've never met him uh, okay. per se, well, but uh, you're lost. I mean, great guy. Do you know him?
1: Well, I've seen. I've been watching a lot of interviews with him uh, <laughs> the last week or so, and he does seem really cool. So you basically I want to know, know him. him yeah. I, w- I want to. Um, it's a one way relationship at this stage.
0: You know, recipro- reciprocal is that what it is? Unre- unrequited. Why am I? Um...
1: It's not reciprocal. Thank you. <laughs> not reciprocated. Episode <laughs> one, and we're Huey already and Stewie, battling. Imagine <gasps>
0: what a duo. We could make a what great a team. team.
1: <laughs> Huey, Stewie, and, and Dewey—wasn't Dewey that
0: the Donald Duck's ne- nephews? nephews? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's us.
0: Excellent. Um, no, I, the only, I suppose, real uh, strong knowledge I had of Huey Lewis uh, was "Hip to Be a Square" when it was on Sesame Street.
1: Okay, when well, I was
0: <laughs> but a child,
1: they sang. <laughs> they they sang it "Hip to Be a Square." Yep, mm, but wow. they
0: changed the lyrics for Sesame Street. Yeah, to be about describing shapes. Amazing. That's how I knew, learned what a square was. Thanks, that's, Huey Lewis. That's
1: pretty clever. And Four sides, all the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, he's done great work there. I I had a similar thing probably in a way to Cold Chisel. My dad had the Huey Lewis and the <laughs> New Greatest Hits <laughs> CD at home, uh, which came out in the early 90s, I think. And, um, yeah, so I, I knew the hits growing up very well. They got played a bit around the house.
0: Was your whole pit growing up? Just greatest hits albums.
1: Yeah, Dad was a big greatest hits lover. Love that for sure. Love that. I mean, he had. A, he, I think he still has a lot of his old vinyl, probably somewhere. He got rid of it a lot, I think. But, oh. but uh, in the CD era, he was already a. Uh, Greatest Hits guy, nice. which is sort of when you're crossing over into the. It
0: is. You, you don't know age, if you don't know if hits. CDs are going to stick around. Vinyl yeah. was all the rage. You and... don't want to
1: commit to no. buying the whole back catalogues. No, let's just get the greatest hits,
0: exactly. And
1: I just want to reminisce about the hits.
0: Yeah, I don't want to listen to this other shit.
1: I don't want any deep cuts.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm still in the deep cut I'm era. so
0: far in the deep
1: cuts, <laughs> but um, <laughs> so which is part of the fun. That's I guess one of the reasons we chose to do. Albums, classic albums rather than uh, greatest hits. This season, yeah, um, because we love some of those album tracks. I think that's part of the fun going through yeah. old albums, hearing, old new albums.
0: He- hearing hidden tracks that your average listener may not have heard before.
1: Yeah, pretty much. You have to be very cool to uh, be into Listen Now and the sort of stuff. We do <laughs> Huey I mean, Lewis albums. <laughs> I and like to think it's so, it's pretty yeah. cool stuff. So, <laughs> uh, so I knew I knew his hits. Uh, well, growing up, but also one of my all time favourite films, which um, came out in I think in the in the mid eighties. I didn't I wouldn't have seen it till probably into the early nineties. But uh, it was Back to the Future, and he has a little oh. cameo on that, and he he wrote a song for it as well, Power of Love, which came oh, out course. soon after Sports. Um, it almost the Sports was a runaway success, which lasted for a couple of years, and that basically landed straight into the Power of Love. And then their follow-up album. They were just nice. one of the biggest bands in America for a, a big chunk of the mid '80s. Jesus, from like '83 till yeah, right through to the most till the end of the '80s. I think they were they burnt solid bright six years. Yeah, yeah, three big hit albums. Anyway, do you, you've written a little something about them to I've got a, let people in if they don't know Huey. Uh,
0: I've got a little bit of a, a history lesson for you. Um uh, so Huey Lewis, our main man, was actually born Hugh Anthony Craig the Third.
1: Such a great name.
0: The third.
1: I mean, I would not have taken a stage name if I had a na- Hugh Craig.
0: Hugh Craig. We call my dad Craig.
1: Yeah. His name's Craig. Well, after Huey Huey well, Craig of course. the Third.
0: He is Huey Craig is ten years older than Dad, so Yeah. you know, Dad's gotta is does that make him Craig the Fourth?
1: Yeah, Craig the Fourth.
0: That is maths.
1: Yeah, continuing the line along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The he Craig's. is Huey <laughs> Lewis, very potent man. He mm-hmm. had a child at the age of 10. Amazing. And that man was your dad.
0: Oh, you're welcome, Craig. Um, so his uh, dad is was Irish uh, but from Boston and his mum was Polish, which was pretty cool. Uh, grew up in California. He actually skipped the second grade. Uh, and in 1967 achieved a perfect score of 800 on the math portion of the SAT. Yeah, so
1: he was a super smart man.
0: A real smart dude, bit, bit of bit of Don Walker about him, one might say yeah. Um, but he was also an all-state baseball player. Yeah, which is so wild.
1: He had the brains, he had the brawn. Is there anything Huey can't do?
0: Apparently no. <laughs> can't be the first of being Craigs. That's all he can't do.
1: He did the big three. He did uh, music, sports, and uh, academics, he could do it all.
0: Yeah, because then he went on to Cornell uh, to do engineering. So he
1: just turned 16 and he got into Cornell. I watched an interview with him from the 80s when uh, the album After Sports came out, Four, which is their fourth album, bit of fun there. Does
0: anything on the, either of those albums actually talk about sport? Uh,
1: I don't think so. So, you you know why they, I believe why they picked the name sports is because of the, sort of a play on how they're the, the news, news and sports.
0: Ah. Uh, it seems just, so obvious now that you've said it. And there's an, <laughs> uh, an
1: album came out in 2019 called Weather. Nice. New sports and Weather. Um, it's a good fun. They're, mm. they're just having a bit of fun. Bit of punny. Bit of punny fun. Uh, is that punny? I guess it I is. I don't know. I don't understand what I don't what know what a pun are. is. I don't know what a pun <laughs> is either.
0: Write in at uh, listen now pod. <laughs> Teach us a thing about English.
1: You forgot the back end of that email address, but oh, at yeah. gmail.com.
0: Well, I was thinking it on the, on the socials. On the socials. Would just be. <laughs> anyway, you I know, you know where to contact us. I think they're going to need more
1: room to move <laughs> than the 140 Twitter characters to explain a pun.
0: Yeah, that's probably No
1: fair. one's been able to explain it to me yet, and I'm asking everyone. I've please, Googled it. Please. The internet's got confusing answers.
0: Dear Mr. Google. So, so
1: he got into he got into Cornell, which I believe is a pretty good university. I think it's
0: I think it's pretty decent.
1: He was just sixteen, so he was tell, uh, telling this story on uh, this old uh, David Letterman clip, mm. and he was so charming on that. Oh is my he? goodness, yes!
0: So definitely one of your best mates.
1: Yeah, uh, and Letterman was great back then as well. Uh, had the passion. I think he might have lost it in later years, but he um, yep. he talked about how. He, he didn't know what he wanted to do. He's like, I was a kid. I had no idea. Uh, the guidance counselor said, um, you're pretty good at maths. Maybe you should be an engineer. And he was like, all right. And then so that's I got into. he was 16. He's like, I don't know what I wanted to do. And then his dad said to him, apparently, I just got to do one thing for me before you go off to uni. At 16 to do engineering at Cornell, he said, I need you to go take a year off and hitchhike around Europe. What What the
0: hell kind of advice (laughs) is that for a 16-year-old? Man, those days were so... (laughs) What a wild time. If you told your kid that now, um, child abuse people would be coming at you being like, are you That's amazing. But
1: but then he learned how to play harmonica over there, and that's what got him started in music.
0: Yeah. Well, he talks about um, yeah learning to play harmonica while he's waiting for rides and all that. Uh, And he's also talked about in interviews hanging out at at an airport for three days. And then stowed away on a plane to Europe. Yeah, which is insane. That
1: is pretty wild.
0: Um, he well, also
1: it... he he earned money to fly home with uh, busking with his harmonica. Yeah. Monica.
0: So he he talks about like during his Europe trip he was in Scotland had no money nowhere to sleep but locals were really hospitable and just kind of sorted him out. And then he went to Madrid, uh, became an accomplished blues player. <laughs> And then supported himself by busking with his harmonica, gave his first concerts, and earned enough money to buy a plane ticket back to the US.
1: He he said his favorite country backpacking was Yugoslavia.
0: That doesn't exist anymore, does it?
1: No. Sorry about that, Huey, if you're listening. Oh, Devo. It might come as bad news to you.
0: Bad news. Yeah. Oh, no. No,
1: no, no. (laughs) Please don't. They're never on purpose. Uh, Uh,
0: Um, But, yeah, then he came back to the U.S. after, you know, just living his best life, uh, paying for his- As a
1: child on the road. A literal
0: fucking child. I can't- um...
1: Genius child. I know.
0: What a bastard. Uh, Went back to his engineering program at Cornell um, and made friends with a a couple of blokes who ended up in other uh, bands called Orleans and King Harvest, which are definitely like feathers- yeah, Bands that I've heard of before.
1: Big bands.
0: Mm. Um, so he was also actually part of a fraternity, which was interesting. Uh, toga. 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 Um, and it re- initially was an active student, uh, but lost interest pretty quick and signed up with a band called Slippery Elm. Uh, and during his junior year, dropped out of Cornell, moved back to the San Francisco Bay Area with his uh, aim to continue playing music uh, but along the way, because he was such a smart bastard, also try out his hand at landscaping, carpentry, <laughs> wedding and event planning, what as a well freak. as delivering and selling natural
1: foods. That's amazing.
0: Like, just he's like, you just know have what? a go at everything. I feel at the age of what, 20, I would like to drop out of my engineering course at Cornell,
1: where I'm also playing baseball at a high level.
0: And I'm just going to try about eight different careers at once and probably succeed at them because apparently he's good at everything.
1: Should say he's also a big stud. So Is he? if you're if you're wondering, oh we can't have I can't have everything. He's obviously a bit ugly. Oh. Well, unfortunately not. He's also an absolute uh, knockout. <laughs> what a How I mean, do these that people
0: terrible? that oh that poor man, he must be so bloody <laughs> living a tough life. Oh yeah, no, he's pretty good looking. Damn it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you didn't know what he looked like.
0: That's... No, well, I've just been looking at recent pictures where he looks old, man. But... I mean,
1: he's still, he's old hot still.
0: God, he's got some height in his hair in the old days. Yeah. Oh, he's got a solid bulge whole... in.
1: Oh, you've seen the, the so... news as well. Got some uh, some very slick, well-conditioned mullets as well.
0: Oh, I do love a well-conditioned mullet. <laughs> do you still have your mullet? It's Mini mullet. Are you growing it again or yeah, are you, you just it's... maintaining I just, its length?
1: just pruned it back for the for the winter.
0: That's nice. Got to keep the neck warm, but you don't want to brush it too much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: So, yeah, so this is all leading up to, he hasn't formed the news yet, but before he formed the news, he had another band that did okay.
0: A uh, Bay Area jazz funk band.
1: What were they called again? Clover. Clover. And they got a call up, they, uh, an English, some sort of an English music man, a producer or something, saw them play at a club in California and he, Flew them over to England and the, the idea was that there was, uh, it was just before punk had broken, unfortunately, yeah. and they uh, they got, their timing was unfortunate. Punk broke and their sort of style of, of uh, rock was not, not cool not, at not the yet. time. So they, um, they, they never quite made it like the, it was hoped that they would over there. But they they put out a few albums and had you know some minor success. Yeah. Like Huey said to Letterm, and he goes, "Letterm goes, Do you have any any hits?" He said, "No, no hits. We've made some good albums, just no, <laughs> no hits." Uh, and then that band uh, recorded. They were the backing band for Elvis Costello on his first album, correct? But apparently Huey Lewis um, Costello said to him, uh, "Loved you to play harmonica on a couple of tracks," and Huey. Um, chose to go on a holiday instead with his girlfriend
0: wow that's a bit of a uh guess you you never
1: know that an album is going to be an all-time classic when you, you you choose love
0: um i also just liked the little note at the end that said lewis worked with finn lizzie
1: oh yeah who
0: boys are back in town is one of my current favorite songs uh i didn't realize they were irish though
1: yeah very irish Wow. How I mean, you... I don't know. How become very Irish, but they are Irish. <laughs> that's how they're very Irish. They're, they're from so Ireland. Irish. Yeah,
0: that's funny. Then, um, where are we? Where are we? Where are we up to? Um, so they ended up returning to the Bay Area by the end of the seventies. So pretty much, yeah, as punk was gone wild, they were like, "Yeah, nah, not our scene. Back home we go." And then, I think there was a whole bunch of. There was another band in the Bay Area at the time, the Jazz Funk Scene, uh, called Soundhole. And eventually those two albums, those two bands kind of split and then some of their members reformed to form a new group called Huey Lewis and the American Express, where they played a bunch of gigs under that name. Uh, And in 1979, uh, oh, I'm out of breath all of a sudden, don't know what's going on. Um, They recorded and released a single uh, just under the name American Express. They were eventually joined by the lead guitarist, Chris Hayes, moved to Chrysalis Records, but the manager there decided American Express was not a great name because of fear of trademark infringements. Yes. And uh, I would assume...
1: There's a credit card company. Yes.
0: And I would assume that a credit card company would have plenty of moolah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd be be happy to be associated with (laughs) Huey Lewis.
0: Hugh Lewis.
1: Did you see that uh, he and changed the, the the spelling of his name a bunch? He yeah, cha-
0: numerous times. The way
1: he spelt Hughie and the way he spelt Lewis, he changed that slowly more. Hughie, Hughie,
0: <laughs> all the different spellings. Silent
1: G's though, Sam, it's not Hugh- Hugh- Hughie.
0: I'm pretty oh, sure maybe it, it is. Maybe it was. I'm pretty sure I'd, that's I how say you that like I know, pronounce but... it. Um, Hughie. Hughie and the news. Uh later in the eighties, or 1980 I should say, they released their first studio album, a self titled LP Huey Lewis and The News. Self titled, yes. Uh it pretty much went unnoticed and released their second studio album in 82 called Picture This. Uh it turned gold, uh, fueled by the breakout success of the single Do You Believe in Love? Which was actually written by a former Clover producer. Right. Do you know that song?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. How's it going? I just Uh,
0: keep thinking of share. (laughs)
1: uh, Why don't I bloody play some of it instead of
0: uh, me trying
1: to sing it? Um,
0: I don't know. I think the listeners would be all over it. uh,
1: What did you want to hear? Do you believe in in love
0: by Hughie Lugas?
1: Let me find it. And the noogs with no bloody warning at all, Sam. I mean, uh,
0: well, I was just hoping you'd sing it for us, but here we are.
1: It's It's a banger. And there's a classic Huey sound One <laughs> <laughs> The news backing him every set of the way On a one-way street
0: I don't street, I think it. I know this uh.
1: The film clip is uh, Huey Lewis in the News Excellent. S- Surrounding a woman in bed sleeping And <laughs> singing it's... this to her <laughs> It's real creepy
0: That uh... <laughs> probably wouldn't fly these days, I reckon Wondering, <laughs> I don't wanna be lonely, baby. So they're saying I don't wanna be lonely while they're surrounding. I wanna love
1: place. you all over.
0: Oh, I do need this. This is this is some real
1: 80s shit, isn't it? Yeah. We sort of, yeah. They, I mean, it's a kind of an old school sound. Mixed with 80s production, right? That's kind of the idea. It's sort of, it's yeah. like 50s-ish songwriting. That's
0: a lot of their music as I was flicking through it all. It's got that real like doo-wop kind of. Yeah.
1: I mean, they literally doo-wop in songs. They'll, they'll i will sing doo-wop.
0: I, I wrote on one of the songs from the album that we're actually going to talk about today, eventually, uh, In all I wrote was doo-wop. <laughs> doo-wop, yeah. Because <laughs> they, they literally
1: lo- say doo-wop. They love to they love to doo-wop. Um, I also love to doo-wop. So yeah that that was a big hit that was a maybe even a top 10 hit in America.
0: Um, the single I don't know actually the album peaked at number 13 and stayed on the charts for 35 weeks in the billboard 200s.
1: It, m- it made uh, number seven in seven. America number 18 Oof. in Australia
0: Nice.
1: and um, uh, 14 in Canada hmm, so it was a, it was a hit around the world not everywhere but it was a hit in. You know the places that matter: Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> <at> Thirty-six, yes. I <laughs> uh, didn't chart in the UK, where they'd spent, well, where Huey had spent a little bit of time. Yeah, that's a um, one. yeah. So that that was a big one. Do you believe in love? Uh, um, and there would, oh, hope you love me like you say it, you do. That, that one that, I
0: don't know, but working for a living.
1: Yeah, working for a living. So that they, they would all be on the greatest hits that I grew up with. Ah, so that's why okay. I know those songs. I listen to that oh, album. Of as well, a couple times this week, and uh, yeah, I recognise a, a few of the tracks off it. The one that I was most familiar with was four, their fourth album, oh, uh, which is what what's got Hip to Be Square. Yep. Um, but yeah, that that was jam packed with hits and was a higher charting album uh, and had higher charting tracks in Australia, like Stuck With You, Hip to Be Square, and such That's things. Be Jacob's be Ladder. Uh, oh, yeah, but yeah anyway we're not here to talk about four maybe no. we'll do that at a later date
0: well since we are talking about sports let me tell you about sports okay um so they were they're were, they were floating they're floating pretty high on the success of the previous album
1: well in a different. Uh, A different interview I heard Huey on, he mentioned that it sold about a quarter of a million copies in America, Mm. had some top ten hits, Mm. (laughs) had a top ten hit, and apparently in the 80s, that was about break-even level. Are you kidding? (laughs) Holy shit. So he he goes, we really needed hits on the next album. Wow. Yeah.
0: Um, Well, they got them, but it was a bit of a slog, apparently, because uh, there was some record label delays um, on the, on sports, on the third studio album. Um, and it pretty much took them back to square one in the late eighties or late 83. Uh, and they had to go back to touring small clubs in a bus to promote the record, which ended up being known as the working for a living tour. But when the album was finally released, it hit number six in the U S uh, and slowly became a number one hit in, 1984 went multi-platinum in 85 and that was all due really to the frequent touring of the band as well as uh, a lot, a series of videos. So all of their singles that they released, they also released some pretty good film clips with them, which played heavily on MTV. Right. um, Which is, you know, you you think of it nowadays, you assume that a film clip is going to come out, but probably back in the eighties when MTV was relatively new. Yeah. The idea of making a film clip with it. And like, it's, it's just extra marketing in it.
1: So apparently Huey really took the reins and the news. They took the, the reins on making those clips. Um they did, they didn't love the one where they were singing around that woman in bed from the well, last that's album. That's good. That's nice. So they they took it over and made started making some pretty funny film clips uh including um yeah there was, what was the one I think it was one of the lead tracks from Sports. Uh but they were basically they were maybe it was if this is it or whatever it was. <laughs> they are down at the beach and that's this sort of famous shot where all the news are buried up to their neck, singing along with Huey lying behind them. I think that's the If, if This Is It. If This Is It, yeah, great. Great stuff.
0: If This Is It.
1: Uh, we'll go through uh, all the tracks shortly. I've got a little article here that um, reviews it and gives a little snippet of each, and we'll we'll play them and talk about our thoughts on them. Beautiful. Have you got much more to say about this album?
0: Um, not particularly what else we got? Oh, just a fun little uh, note on the side is that they were in the all-star uh, We Are The World and Huey Lewis had a solo part in it. Yes.
1: Which oh. I thought was pretty cool. So I listened to a podcast uh, this week in preparation. Uh, Huey was a guest on it. It was called uh, uh, Huey Talking Huey Me. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and to Me. So there was, um, do you know Adam Scott, the actor? Yes. Adam Scott and Scott Ockerman, a comedian and uh, podcaster, He they, have a, they had a podcast together about the albums of U2 called You Talking U2 to Me. Oh, I have heard of that. And then they did a season about REM and then they just did a one-off episode about, I've listened to a bit of the U2 one. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. And they've just started a new one about Red Hot Chili Peppers. Nice. But um, anyway, they did a one-off episode with, Jimmy Kimmel and Huey Lewis. Jimmy Kimmel's like one of Huey Lewis's best mates. He grew up what? as a huge fan and then they've ended up, um, I mean, anyway, it's really good. I'll put a link in the show notes if you're keen. And it's just another example of Huey's just being a real cool, nice guy. Uh, but what was my point? Um, <laughs> what, what, what you were, were you?
0: listening to, about the We Are The World,
1: you were listening oh, to yes. the podcast? So he, he told the story of that on that podcast, oh. on, on Huey talking Huey to Huey, me. Huey's and he said apparently, uh, who was I think Prince was meant to do the line and he didn't show up. So Huey got it at the last second. And he told a story of how it was all in one take. If anyone stuffed up their line, they had to do it all again. Oh, And it, it was like towards the back end of the line. Oh. So every, they'd stop and the first few guys would get all these shots at it because they'd have a few, you know, one, two and three would do it. Number four would stuff up. Yep. So they'd start again. So one, two and three just had a practice run at it. They go out and Hugh sitting down at the end, waiting for his turn, oh. not not getting a shot. So by the time he gets to him, he'll be like, "Oh, this is all on me yep. to nail it first go." Uh, but anyway, they ended up. I think it, it only took he's I think it took him a take or two, and they they nailed it. He said, nice. You've just cut your first hit record. Not true, but they, um, <laughs> it was a big hit, I believe. I can't. I yeah, I don't know what his line was. I Can't even really. I'll put find that, it.
0: Can. I'll put it on the the socials.
1: Oh great. Um, so, should we start going through this track by track?
0: Yes. Yes, we should.
1: Because, I mean, it's a, it's a nine track album. Uh, it's all killer, no filler. That's something that um, he talked about on You Were Talking Huey, to t- Me. He said, uh, <laughs> he goes, we really needed some hits um, on this album. We didn't know what kind of style it would be. So, there's a lot of different sort of styles we tried. And um, yeah, we just tried to all pretty much try to write a bunch of hits. And, um,
0: it's not often that I think bands particularly admit to that, though. Yeah, like it's, it's interesting, it's isn't kind it? Kind of, it's like, a bit of a sellout kind of yes. label comes with it.
1: But it's—I mean—it's so. hard to—it's hard to write hit songs, and he it wrote that. Well, um, he I didn't think he write released four
0: off this album. There's five, didn't five, five
1: hits oh, off, five of nine songs on this are hits.
0: Not bad, not bad.
1: Uh, yeah, he didn't write them all. I think. Um, couple were written by others. But anyway, let's let's go through them track by track. So I found an article here on ClassicRockReview.com, which we'll link in the show notes as well, which is a bit of a review. It says recording for sports began immediately after the completion of Picture This with producer Bill Seismic assisting in production. Due to the reorganization of Chrysalis, the band employed the strategy of holding back the master tapes and biding their time performing at small venues while the label got their affairs in order. And we're in a position to fully promote the album. It's oh. pretty smart. It's just they were pretty wily, I think, as a band. They'd been around for a while as well. Yeah, Like Huey had been in Clover for seven years and, re- you know, released albums. Oh, this is their true. third album of Huey Lewis in the News. So he'd been around a bit and he'd learned a few lessons. So I think that was obviously pretty smart.
0: He knew a bit of what's what.
1: Planning for your next trip? Uh, so the opening track, the heart of rock and roll, starts the album with a thumping. Oh, I'll get it playing because it does. T- it's we talk about it in season one. We love a big album opener. We and do. I think this album got it done.
0: Do you know what this? Before we kick it off, this intro made me think of immediately is What's that? Van Halen's "Why Can't This Be Love."
1: Oh yeah, it's got a bit of that. The heartbeat.
0: Sammy Hagar,
1: which came out after this. So it I wonder did. If you, that uh, this inspired Sammy. Uh, um, So the review says, The Heart of Rock and Roll starts the album with a thumping heartbeat sound to launch the thematic, albeit somewhat tacky, anthem. (laughs) Musically, it employs the faux 80s funk rock that permeates this album that worked well in the mid-80s pop scene. I think it's a Kraken tune.
0: Um, You know what? His vocals are also some David Lee Roth about him. Don't you reckon? But again, David Lee Roth would have been... Oh no Van, Van Halen in... Were they 70s Sorry
1: Yeah they started In the 70s yeah.
0: Do you reckon It's got some David Lee Roth About it
1: Yeah I guess There is a little bit <laughs> oh, That's, <sighs> that's cool. That bit later When he gets oh, Stuck yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff
0: What is the heart Of rock and roll
1: Oh it's still beating I know that and I, I love a song that uh, goes through a bunch of different cities or places yeah. in the world. I'm um, going to look up the lyrics. It's also... It's interesting because it's... I mean, rock and roll was only invented really 30 years before this. So it's funny to think of it like he's gone... Oh, yeah. The old boys... Uh, barely Breathing. It's like the equivalent of a, a genre that was created in 1990. It was basically... It's the same... Rock and roll for him in the 80s was grunge for us in the 90s.
0: Oh. And it's fair to
1: say that the heart of grunge is not really still
0: there. <laughs> yes. Sad, but yes. Uh, um, so that song peaked at, it was actually the third single from the album, peaked at number six on the US billboards.
1: Right. They
0: they also, um, fun fact, they uh, lost to ZZ Top's Legs for Best Group Video and also lost to Tina Turner's What's Love Got To Do With It uh, in the record of the year. Um, And later on it was voted one of the 50 worst songs ever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Get out of it. I mean, they just. Savage. Yeah, that's. That's people being brutal. That's tall poppy syndrome kicking in.
0: I think Huey Lewis even said it was some pretty
1: cheesy lyrics later Um, on. In is there is there something inherently wrong with cheese?
0: No, that's a good point. Actually, there's a
1: place for cheese.
0: All right, Blender, Blender magazine, who wrote that article that definitely people read?
1: Uh, yeah, fuck off, Blender. (laughs) All right, track two. I think I, I like what I like about Listen Now is this is a positive place.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's so fucking easy to just you know shit me. on stuff. <laughs> you do it in a relatively fun way, at least. <laughs> that's Track that's two, least. another big hit, Heart and Soul. This is one's so 80s. Oh. So 80s.
0: This is also a cover. This isn't theirs. This... Oh, is it
1: a cover or is it just written for them by someone else?
0: Uh, no, I think, uh, so Exile is the band who wrote it, who uh. people my age will know potentially because of Happy Gilmore when Adam Sandler's singing into the intercom, I wanna kiss you oh, all. Yeah.
1: It's one of my favourite Also by Exile. as a kid. Was it? Oh, I didn't know that, yeah. Um, yeah, so originally Exile
0: King. released it and it did nothing. And then Huey Lewis released it. Oh,
1: there you go. I, I and, had no uh, idea.
0: This was actually the first single from the album and peaked at number eight. Right And was nominated for a Grammy In the category Rock Vocal Group
1: Bloody hell Uh, Also Cowbell Yes That's nice I
0: got really excited When that kicked off
1: Yeah it's all I mean the keys are the Most 80s thing of all time Oh so 80s And then that That riff's pretty Pretty chunky uh, but, yeah.
0: It's damn catchy, this one.
1: Then uh, track... Th- oh, so what does our reviewer say about this? Um, he likes it more, uh, saying... It's of a much higher quality overall. Co-written by Mike Chapman and Nikki Chin of the band Exile. This classic rocker uses a repeated riff, but with strategic arrangements throughout, including the midsection where the dead and guitar and bass make for a simple but effective bridge. Nice. Nice. I've just found this article uh, on Rolling Stone where uh, it's an interview with Huey uh, from Huey Lewis in the News. Huey? Uh, Hugh Craig.
0: Hugh- ah, yes. The third. The third.
1: Sorry, in case you were thinking, <laughs> which Hugh Craig? First, second, fourth? Fourth, third. Could be third any ninth. of those. But he was asked a question about the opening track, um, The Heart of Rock and Roll, uh, and he said... We're from fr- San Francisco and we think it's the greatest place in the world. We had heard that Cleveland was this great rock and roll town. You know how it says the uh, uh, f- uh, heart of rock and roll is in Cleveland? Mm. Or something like that? <laughs> Listen
0: like... now, where we get our facts straight is The heart of rock and roll is still
1: beating. <laughs> from what I see, I believe him. And the old boy may be barely breathing, but the heart of rock and roll, the heart of rock and roll is still beating in Cleveland. Nice. And then he goes through all these places or something. Yes. But he goes, we had heard that Cleveland was this great rock and roll town. I thought, Cleveland? How can (laughs) Cleveland be anything? Cleveland? (laughs) What can they have in Cleveland that we don't have in San Francisco? Right. Then we played a gig in Cleveland, I think at the Agora around 1980. It was a great gig and the crowd was amazing. We're driving the next day and I'm looking out the grey skyline. I sort of absentmindedly say, you know, guys, the heart of rock and roll really is in Cleveland. <laughs> then I thought, oh my gosh, that's a great idea for a song. <laughs> the other guys said the heart of rock and roll is in Cleveland, so then I rewrote it as the heart of rock and roll is still beating. But that was the original idea.
0: Wow,
1: that's interesting. That's that's where it came from. Um, but so, did he
0: ever find out what Cleveland had that they didn't?
1: Well, they had the heart of rock and roll. Oh
0: yeah. Well, that's that's yeah, which
1: is still beating.
0: It is still and a grey
1: skyline apparently. Uh, so then, so Heart of and Soul is the second one that cover you're talking about, which has blown my mind. I didn't know it was a cover.
0: Neither did I. It's until... one of the it's
1: one of their real big hits, but I yeah I don't love it. I don't...
0: I don't particularly love it either, but it is so goddamn catchy. I don't know what it is about
1: because like song by song, I'm like oh I don't. There's some of these I'm I'm okay about, yeah. but I really. I... I like some 80s music, but some of that 80s production I find pretty Amazing. grating. And they <laughs> they got it coming out their ears. So it does make some of it a bit tricky. But I bloody love Huey. Huey. I want to be his My friend. My main man. Huey, if you're listening, give me a call. Huey Plus. Uh, so track number three, Bad is Bad. Nice. It's a modern doo-wop. This is back from Classic Rock Review. It's a modern doo-wop soul track with cool organ hopper, bluesy guitars by Hayes and a potent harmonica solo by Lewis with lyrics that are both jocular and profound.
0: I have always thought of a harmonica (laughs) solo as jocular.
1: What does that mean? No, the lyrics are jocular and profound, not the harmonica solo. What is jocular? The harmonica solo was potent.
0: Jocular, fond of or characterized by joking, humorous or playful.
1: The song was written in the late 1970s while Lewis was working with Phil Linnett and Thin Lizzy. Fun, Lizzie. And that group uh, did perform it live a few times, half a decade before it was recorded for sports. So let's hear a bit of this. This is. So this is bad, is bad. Can
0: <laughs> <laughs> we start an a cappella group? Yes. But everything is just doo-wop. Doo-wop.
1: Doo-wop. doo-wop. Bad is bad, but sometimes. What is it? Sometimes cool is the rule, but sometimes <laughs> bad is bad.
0: <laughs> is it? Yeah. Cool is I the kinda, rule. I kind of sing along with it, but not anything. Down this sounds some sleazy. Cousin. Went down to see my cousin. <laughs> nice.
1: Sometimes. 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 The news are so smooth. They the are smooth vocals. as fuck. <laughs> they do a bit of a cappella. There's clips of them just sitting standing around in a circle. Acapella singing to each other.
0: Do all of them sing or is it just yeah, a couple of all Really? Them, yeah. Oh, it's like. Called chisel, uh, all of so, the bastards. So that's we'll bad as
1: bad. The next one's I want a new drug. This is a big one.
0: I will say in the last song though, we didn't get there because I think it's much later, but the harmonica is fucking good. Oh. And I, I got real excited about it. You know how I feel about a harmonica. You love a harmonica. And it is
1: it is a strong good feeling. Well, let me stop you right there. Cause this is something you didn't mention, which I was sure you were going to. You know who played Harmonica on Jimmy Barnes's Freight Train Heart?
0: No. Yes, Huey really? Lewis. How did we, how did that? Not, I don't know. How did we, how, just, how, how have we gotten to this today. point and we did Isn't not that know wild. that? wild? That is in awe. Wow.
1: Isn't that amazing? That's a, it's, oh, that was a, an interesting thing to find out about. He, like he's a front man, big, one of the biggest performers in the 80s, but he started as a harmonica player.
0: How did we, honest to God, not come across that until right now?
1: So, uh, first time okay. listeners, season one, we talked about the band Cold Chisel, classic Aussie pub rock classic band. Qua. And their front man, Jimmy Barnes, uh, released a solo album in the uh, early to mid 80s. Uh, I think it was his second or third solo album, and it was called Freight Train Heart. And Huey Lewis played a harmonica on it.
0: How the
1: wild scenes. Um,.
0: I'm sorry. I'm still, like, my mind is blown. I'm trying to, like, find out which songs, what seconds was he on it. <laughs> yeah. How the f- fucking fuck? I am so taken by this.
1: It's fantastic news.
0: It is great news from Huggy. Uh,
1: anyway, so we're up to <laughs> I Want a New Drug, uh, and this is from Classic Rock. It's another slightly clever theme. I mean, this is a brutal review. Why would I pick this one? It's another slightly <laughs> clever theme, which at once normalizes and demonizes drug use. Musically, there are duelling guitars over the simplest, cheesiest synth rhythm. Wow. A method later borrowed by Ray Parker Jr. for the Ghostbuster theme song. So yeah, so this song is the is what was ripped off to make um, yes. the Ghostbusters theme. Um, Settled and- out of court, he's not allowed to talk about it, but. I'll find
0: a clip of that mashup and I'll put it on the socials as yeah, well. Yeah, great. Um, but also about I, I Want a New Drug, um, it's funny that the commenter, who was it that just ripped it a little bit that you just read? Oh, uh, this reviewer. Yeah. Definitely not our man Zup, that's it's for not, sure.
1: certainly not Zup. I don't I don't know if they've put in their name to it. Wow. It's uh, classicrockreview.com.
0: Yeah. Um, With no name on it. Yeah, no, okay. No. Real brave. <laughs> Classic keyboard warriors. Yeah. Um, but Lewis uh, Hughie, uh said that he, it, it's a song about love, and the meaning of the word drug in the song was not purpose uh, was purposely open ended. So it's really a love song. It's not a pro drug song. It's not really even an anti drug song. The word drug sort of gets your attention, but I think in love relationships, there's more than I want you or I need you kind of thing. Uh, he said he believed the, def- the definition of love was very open to interpretation depending on the listener. I think real love contains humour and anger and confusion, all those things. So it's not even about drugs, Mr. Anonymous.
1: Yeah, you clown. <laughs> You've absolutely made a fool of yourself. Cop that dickhead. Yeah, so it's... Uh, but yeah, he. Uh, so this song, Ray Parker Jr., really strongly borrowed uh, from. He was... So uh, Huey Lewis was um approach to do the theme for Ghostbusters and he wasn't keen but and then apparently they went to Ray Parker Jr and said we want a like a Huey Lewis like song <laughs> and then he yeah he, so he
0: he well he wrote a Huey he, he Lewis type song
1: that's a it's a gra- it's a great theme but it is yeah i mean Huey Lewis ended up making a bit of money out of it because it, he just ripped it off uh anyhow so this is the original of it I want a new drug What was that? Your phone making a fun sound Oh, that's great (laughs) Unprofessional (laughs) Who are you going to call? Hughie Lewis It's a fun, it's a fun happy rip.
0: Oh, this is like I want to be like driving down the beach In like a
1: convertible Top down in the Bay Area maybe
0: That sounds ideal
1: the guitarist is a shredder as well. I've seen a few live clips and really? he just like shreds for 10 minutes.
0: He sounds like he's Look. just doing a real simple like do 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 do. do
1: he's uh all over that fret voice. Wondering what to do. One that
0: makes me feel like Feeling I'm with you. When I'm alone
1: with you. So that was a big hit. What was that? That that was another one that was like number seven, something like that?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. For some reason, I didn't write that down. But, yes, I'm pretty I sure it was- I think it was, it was... Yeah, top,
1: another top ten hit. Big, large, huge. Uh, then the next track is Walking on a Thin Line, uh, co-written by Andre Pessis or Pesse and Kevin Wells of Clover. It starts with a haunting synth bass before breaking into an upbeat pop rocker with good, uh, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> with good melody. <laughs> <laughs> and a semi-serious message about a Vietnam veteran's post-war stress this is walking on a thin line.
0: Um, I saw a uh, review by Christopher Connolly of Rolling Stone, who said, well, he didn't he didn't particularly like it. Uh but he says that uh Huey Lewis sings just like Men at Works Colin Hay. Which is funny because my note for the next song I wrote Colin Hay vibes. Ah. Um, now this. Well,
1: this this album came out right when um, Men at Work were blowing up as ah. well, or just after maybe. I think they were eighty three. Yep. This is, is this eighty uh, three? I think so. Eighty four maybe. Oh, this is eighty four. Yeah. So this came out the year after Men um, at Work were huge.
0: Yep. Now this song, I wouldn't call it a cum thumper. No But Christopher Connolly has called it a semi-stomper
1: Oh, okay Next door Yeah, I didn't know this one before This one is rock-solid tune That's a real 80s sort of anthem Yep You can picture it in a teen film
0: Yeah, like, uh, I'm trying to think Is this where, like, they're all starting to run towards the battle? <laughs> And it's like a really like slow montage or something.
1: Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a good one. Uh, then we've got next one up is finally found a home. Uh, he's not too or not too positive about this one on this review. It says. Have you picked um, any
0: positive ones?
1: Well, this is all off the same article. Oh. Uh, the song is sandwiched between the pop rock boilerplate. Finally found a home. What is uh, and the boilerplate? Boilerplate is stock standard. Oh, uh, so this is what it, uh, what they think of as a boilerplate. Oh. <laughs> so quite a different vibe to the Very other Very different.
0: I was just trying to think. What does this remind me of?
1: This is just towards sort of eighties yeah. hard rock. Here, yeah. Sort of. <laughs> But yeah, this is another sort of stadium.
0: Yeah. Can it? Audiences clapping. Yeah. Yeah, this is sort of very head. Colin Hazy.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. But I, I mean, the, the vocal, yeah. Yeah,
0: the vocal, yes. I think the, 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 the song's got so a bit of
1: a stadium rock kind of vibe.
0: It's made to be played large.
1: And the crowd sings along with the chorus. It's that kind of thing.
0: Do you know what this reminds me of, actually? I love that every song is, I'm like, it reminds me of something else. Yeah. Um, reminds me of the Tarzan soundtrack that, um I'm trying to think of his name. Phil Collins. Yes, Fabulous thank you. Fabulous Phil. Yep. It kind of sounds like those kind of songs that he wrote for Tarzan. Oh, I'm
1: sure he was heavily influenced by the work of the news.
0: I would like to think so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, and then the next one's another one of the, the, maybe even the biggest hit off the album, if this is it. Um, um, is, is this it? That's what this next track is. It is if this is it. It is it. It is. This is if this, this is it.
0: This okay. So th- this is if it
1: is. This is no. This is if this is it. If this big change up in tone. Just a ballady. Um, solely ballady.
0: Fourth number one. Uh, fourth single from the number one album. Sports. Uh, and it became their fifth top ten and third consecutive number six hit on the Billboard Hot 100. It also reached number five on the adult contemporary chart and became their first UK hit single, reaching the high, high number of 39.
1: Ah. So the UK never... doesn't sound like they fully got into it. Or no, at least not at this point.
0: Not at, Yeah, it doesn't look like it.
1: Uh, Classic Rock Review likes it a bit more. It says... Uh, it doesn't like the back half of the album, but says um, the lone exception is the hit song. If this is it, which features strong guitar, uh, strong guitar-driven rock elements, some doo-wop backing vocals, and fantastic lead vocals, melody, and chorus hook.
0: What?
1: This is this is right up there with his classic.
0: Yeah, this one I definitely knew.
1: Uh, I think a lot of people. 30s and older would probably picked it up along the way somewhere.
0: I'm not 30 yet, thank you very much. 30s-ish. 30s. It's weird. We're, we're, we're within 40 days.
1: Uh, then we got another another one that this guy didn't like too much, but it was probably, <laughs> <I> <laughs> it's probably. I think it's one like of my anything? favorites on the album. I'd never heard it before, but I think it's real fun. It's called "You Crack Me Up."
0: Yeah, the last two I don't really, I didn't.
1: Didn't yeah. know I didn't like. Yeah. Both? Both, great. Well, oh, I
0: don't, not so much didn't like, I just don't remember them already. The last
1: one is a, a classic country song from the 40s, which I is it knew. Really? Uh, yes, but uh, it's Hank, uh, Hank Hank Williams song. Is it really? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, this one's uh, You Crack Me Up, which I'm pretty sure Huey wrote about um, some oddballs that he would meet outside of the bars he played at coming up. Nice. <laughs> oh, that is so That's good. <laughs> This is a fun sort of run, running song or something.
0: Yeah, yes.
1: It's just a happy song. Oh. Oh, my God, I can't believe my eyes. Underneath that ghostly pale, is that you? Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do.
0: Someone in your shit shouldn't be driving. Ooh, what's he talking about here? I
1: guess the drunkards Someone coming out of the pu- pub, maybe?
0: Oh, God, it is so 80, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's throbbing
1: <inaudible> <synthing>. <inaudible> 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 Uh i was just waiting to get to the chorus, but it's over a minute in. Here we go. Just stop talking for a minute or two. Crack me up. You really, really do It's the, maybe the most <laughs> 80s song of all time It's pretty, yep
0: <laughs> You really, really do uh,
1: Alright, and then we finish with Honky Tonk Blues Which is just out of nowhere This is <laughs> it's, with, it's a great tune And I think they do Well, I mean The review here says It goes does little to advance the original, but it's a nice place to showcase Hopper's piano playing skills. <laughs> does little. It's a gra- I mean, it's a great song, and it's a, it's a fine cover. Oh, I love that. Oh, But it just, it just comes out of nowhere. It does. I guess that was maybe in there that they're like, we needed a hit on this album. Maybe this is them going. If we if we have to, we'll go country. We'll do whatever. Just give them something. The piano. Love listening. Love the piano over the '80s keys.
0: Yeah, it goes. What is this mash of mash?
1: So yeah, that's that's how they close out the album, and it's a yeah, it's it's a strange, but uh, I like I like the tune all the same. Uh, so it's a, it's a funny old album, but it is like a- It's, it's got oh, a
0: bit of 20th century about it. Throwback yeah, to f- Cold Chisels last a, season.
1: A bit of a bit of everything in there, but, uh, I mean, they set out to write an album with hit, uh, a hit, big hit in it, and they achieved that. They wrote five out of nine were hits. Yeah. Um, and I assume they never really expected uh, Honky Tonk Blues to be a hit. So really five out of eight cracks at a hit they achieved it which is wild
0: not a bad bloody effort
1: how about this to um before we start wrapping up how about this to explain how big huey was at the time this is from the rolling stone article that was written uh when sports had its 30 year anniversary so huey lewis was so famous in the mid 80s that when pepsi signed michael jackson i don't know if you uh know about that michael jackson was like a Uh, in Pepsi ads and stuff. I think he burned his hair in a Pepsi. Oh, it was for
0: a Pepsi commercial? Yeah,
1: But anyway, Coke felt uh, they had little choice but to reach out to Huey. They had to play catch-up, says Lewis, between bites from a club sandwich at Rolling Stone headquarters.
0: You do you, Huey.
1: They told me I had the largest Q score of anybody in America. I didn't know what that meant, but they told me it was based on likability, recognizability, credibility, and all that crap. (laughs) They actually said to me... We think you have what we call cokeness.
0: <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> I had read that
1: part, uh, that uh, um, paragraph through. That's great. Coke offered him millions of dollars, but he turned them down. In retrospect, it was probably a mistake, he says. Could have been good for oh. the career. Forget the money. Uh, which, yeah, makes sense. I mean, to be associated with coke in the 80s, that probably, probably would have been, would have been large. good business. Uh, at the time, Lewis didn't seem to need much more attention. His 983 LP, Sports, they call it 83, so it was, it was 83, 84. Uh, oh, yeah. Spawned five massive hit singles, and in 985, he appeared in Back to the Future and released the huge hit, The Power of Love, on the soundtrack. Probably should play a little uh, bit of Power of Love for those. It's the song, If if you know any Huey Lewis, that's the one you would know. I reckon. It's definitely the the first one I would have ever heard.
0: I got another Uh, random random fact for you after this.
1: This is a banger. I reckon my old super 80s, but also Oh
0: hella 80s. My old um, manager at a store I used to work at, this was his number one karaoke choice.
1: Oh yeah. Great karaoke Mm -hmm. tune, I'm sure. I've never seen anyone attempt it. Not that I'm at karaoke all that often. Man, this fills me with nostalgia. More than anything we've listened to today, this just makes me feel like a kid.
0: It makes me, well, makes me feel
1: young. It's power of love. And it's the opening scene of um, Back to the Future. I'm pretty sure it's played when he's skating behind a ute, Michael J. Fox. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's just the coming together. It's the perfect 80s moment. Michael J. Fox, Back to the Future, Huey Lewis and the News playing.
0: 80s. uh, Did we talk about Huey Lewis's feature in that?
1: No. Maybe I'll find out if I can just play it. uh, Yeah,
0: while you do that. Um, Fun fact. More recently, um, Seth Rogen uh, met with Huey Lewis to ask him to write a song for Pineapple Express, which he ended up doing called Pineapple Express, I think. Uh, and they say he wanted a track reminiscent of Power of Love.
1: Ah, that's uh, fun.
0: And then he, yeah, so he's he wrote a song for <laughs> one of the biggest stoner movies of the century. Not that we're that far in. We're only 20 years into it, but, you know. Yeah, no. You know,
1: clubhouse later. Yeah, for, Um Bit of golf lingo there. Nice. Kiwi fans would love that. <laughs> Uh, let's see. All right. I think I've got, uh, Michael J. Fox is auditioning for, to play the school dance with his band The Pinheads. Mm-hmm. And the track they play is like a, a demo version of The Power of Love, which is actually Huey Lewis and the News' demo track with a bit of extra, um, heavy guitar over the top of it. Nice. And then Huey says his famous line. He's dressed as a, you know, a nerdy sort of headmaster or whatever, big glasses and- what not Anyway This is how it goes so That's who we go on next please You should li- link to the this clip. clip Yeah It's a great performance. Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid you're just
0: too darn
1: loud. I'm afraid you're just on loud. Fuck, that's oh, funny. Hughie. That's great stuff. I that don't care Luke. who you are. Yeah. That's comedy.
0: But it's Hugh. <laughs>
1: oh, Huey, you did it. The power of love. So he was he was asked to write a song for the film, and he's like, I don't I don't know how to write a song for a film. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, we're keen. Uh, my, uh, Marty McFly, which is Michael J. Fox's character, he's a teen in this movie. If if he had a favorite band, his favorite band would be Huey Lewis and the News. Yeah. Uh, so he goes, right, I'll just send you the next song I write. Nice. And that was the next song. Oh he my wrote. god. It was power of love, and he was like, I, don't, I assume they probably won't use it cuz it's not it's not a love film it's not a there's not a strong love story in the film but um yeah obviously they they made it work Wow. and it, be, it became a big hit i saw a clip of him playing uh, 5 years ago or something it's just someone filming on their phone and they and he's introing the song he goes when i wrote this in uh, the mid 80s i did not expect to be playing it every night for the rest of my <laughs> life <laughs> um Just talking about the critics being a bit rough on him because he is a bit of, they're sort of a bit of a whipping boy kind of band. And I think just because I'm, I guess because I was young enough, I didn't, I wasn't too cool for it or anything. Mm. And a lot like people a bit older are too cool for Huey Lewis and the News.
0: Is he like the Nickelback of the 80s? I don't
1: know if he's quite Nickelback. I'm not sure. (laughs) Who I also, I'm like, fuck, they're just a band. I don't find it weird when people hate. Nickelback, or whatever. Like it, that's it's part of their It's like a full. It's like
0: a yeah. It's a social, a social expectation they're is that you a, hate Nickelback.
1: I mean, <laughs> I, why, why are we even talking about them? You know, if they were that bad, they would just. I think they disappear. Um. Anyway, so he was asked about uh, the critics. Um. He was asked, "Did it piss you off that the mainstream critics were pretty tough on you?" And he said, "Yeah, I'm a little bothered by it, but I worry. Uh, but do I worry about it day and night? No." But it does rankle me a little bit. It does. Uh, we sold 10 million records and we were on the box all the time. I'd be sick of hearing us too <laughs> <laughs> after a certain point, which is, yeah. I mean, that.
0: God damn it. Not only is he so successful and good looking, he sounds like a funny bloke too. He's
1: really funny and charming. Jeez, he's got it all. Yep. <laughs> he's got,
0: he's <laughs> the full package.
1: Um, all of the news. And he can really write a hit tune.
0: Which we're about here.
1: Uh, so, yeah, well, do we want to give the give it a score? We're doing scores out of 80 this out season. Out of 80. Oh, it's Lord. hard. The first one's always harder because what are you comparing it to? Yeah,
0: you're really setting a standard And here. I think all
1: the albums we talk about are going to be entirely different from each other. Mm-hmm. Firstly, I mean, you've got to mark it up. For if, if you're into hit songs and 80s, I mean, this, this has got 80s up to its bloody eyeballs. Um, all right,
0: so- I- I'm gonna I'm gonna give it some good points because I knew four songs off of it.
1: Okay, familiarity is familiarity always helps helps get points.
0: Um, then probably not so many points because there's maybe one or two songs that I wouldn't listen to, and then if you minus the one and add this, <laughs> s- a real algorithm you so got
1: working on. All right, so what are, what are you what score have you come to here? Uh,
0: I'm I'm gonna go a 40, 45 five. Forty five sounds good.
1: Yeah, old 45. All right. Um, yeah, I really don't know what to do here with this number. I think uh, in terms of songs I, I like, I reckon You Crack Me Up is so fun. It's just such a fun 80s <laughs> uh, tune. I think I Want A New Jug is also great fun. I, li- I, li- I probably like the upbeat ones the most, in uh, Heart of Rock and Roll. they yep. sort of pop, 80s pop rock, fun time ones. And yep. then, you know, the two big soul ones, If This Is It and Heart and Soul. I think it's all good stuff. Would have loved to have seen him live. Yeah. Uh, I, I probably should mention that um, a couple of years ago, Huey, uh, our God, Huey Lewis, <laughs> Huey Craig. Huey Craig. Clegg. The third. Clegg or Craig? Craig. Craig. Uh, he <laughs> he uh, has been struck down with Meniere's disease, and, and that's um, it's basically it's an, an ear problem where he uh, his hearing's suffered a lot Oh. But it also means that apparently listening to music just sounds like static to him. It's it's painful oh, God. to listen to, and he and it can also affect um, uh, what's the uh, diz- the dizziness uh think, um, oh, vertigo? Yeah, in vertigo my head, I'm, like
0: vortex, valero. <laughs> <laughs> so it means
1: he can't he can't he can't sing anymore. Wow. He's still hoping to um get it to a level where he can. But imagine at this making stage, your
0: whole career on music and then not being able to yeah, have anything to he's do so with it, tough. essentially. So he... That's insane. He was Bob getting ready
1: it. to go out to perform, and it happened. He performed that night, and it was really rough, and he hasn't performed since. Oh, my
0: goodness. How long ago was that? Uh
1: 2018, so it's pretty recent. Shit, a brick. Yeah, so it's that's pretty sad stuff. I mean, he's still in the interviews. uh So he, he released the weather album after that, mm. I think they would have probably recorded more songs for it, but yep. it just looked like it wasn't going to be possible. So they're like, let's get it out there. And oh, i yeah. listened listen to it. It is. It's, good, it's some good stuff. Is it still 80s? They're, it's some pretty 80s stuff, but they've smoothed a lot of that out. And, um, but yeah, it's got a lot of the stuff. If you like them, yep. it's got a lot of that stuff in it still, but it's not, <laughs> it's not as 80s sounding. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, hopefully, I'd love to see him play. It would be a great amount of fun, I reckon. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure to give this score. I'm going to say maybe I'll give it a uh, 62.
0: Nice. Good round number. Yeah. Of no decimals. It's good
1: fun. I mean, Honky Tonk Blues is just a great song, so it's fun to hear it uh, anyway. I've just been listening a bit more Hank Williams recently, Have you? funnily enough. I don't know what my standout track is. I think If This Is It, it is a great 80s pop song. It's good. I think that holds up. Maybe the most out of anything on this album.
0: I like The Heart of Rock and Roll. I don't know. Maybe again maybe it's just cuz it's a classic opener. Yeah. Uh but Heart and Soul's been stuck in my head for a couple of days now.
1: Dun, 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 dun.
0: Heart and Soul.
1: I think yeah the I, I reckon heart, heart of Rock and Roll is a great album opener. Yep. The slow beat, I love how the, oh, the yeah, beat they played at the up start. with the yep. heartbeat and then it's just a it's just a fast paced sort of Freeway driving kind of rock song, yep. rock pop song, um, yeah. So sixty two.
0: I don't know. Nice. I like
1: it. I like Huey. I like the news. Uh, it's just some of the production stuff is a bit harder. But I, I don't know. I just I, I'm into them. And the uh, no one's judging you. It's okay. I love their vibe. Well, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm just. Um, I'm wary of being um, too rough on them at the same time. I went for forty five and gave no
0: explanation. Great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, is there anything else we wanted to talk about? I just trying to think there was I had so many things I wanted to mention, and now i'm I'm not sure. I mean there's a pretty famous scene in American Psycho where um, uh, the titular "American Psycho gives them a, a review uh, before uh, killing some guy. I haven't seen it, but apparently it's a pretty famous scene.
0: You like Huey Lewis on the news?
1: They're okay. Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism
0: that really gives the songs a big boost.
1: And uh, I think he was into that as well. That's fun. Let's see.
0: Oh, and then him and... I did read that. Him and someone else recreated the scene on a... Oh, him and oh, Jimmy Kimmel or, maybe? Funny or
1: Die maybe. Yeah, they recreated it. Great mates with Jimmy Kimmel.
0: Yeah,
1: that one. Uh, they go fly fishing together.
0: Oh, that's fun.
1: Maybe I'll finish with this little paragraph here. Uh, I haven't read it, so let's see what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the, que- the question from Rolling Stone says, uh, the term yuppie rock has been applied to you over the years. How do you feel about that? Um, and he writes, hip to be square was a joke that not everybody got. People thought it was an anthem for square people. That hurt us a bit. If I have any regrets, it's not writing that song in the third person. That's how I originally had it, but whatever. I'm mindful that I'm a very lucky guy. We're a lucky band. We play music for a living. We play music for a living! (laughs) (laughs) How good is that? I'm serious. We've done very well. My little band, we're pals. We come from Marin country, We made our own records and we have a career. We play and people show up. What's wrong with that? I mean, our 15 minutes of fame were a real 15 minutes. Now, you don't get 15 minutes. You get three and a half or whatever. (laughs) So it does sound like he's, you know, it's still, yeah, it it does hurt how the, you can hear that it does maybe hurt how people shit on him. And it is funny that the hip to be square thing, um, uh, uh, people didn't get the jokes. So I think a lot of their lyrics are quite funny. Yeah. And you can tell that they're a funny band from the way they present themselves. And Yeah, all the film everything. clips. And they're, like have... they're in on their own joke. Yeah. Wh- whereas people are like piss. laughing at them. It's like yeah. no, they they know. That's the point. <laughs> it's with us, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You... It's with us. <laughs> hey, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be frustrating, but yeah. whatever. Um, All right, well, let's bloody boot this baby home. We don't have any letters yet because we haven't been putting episodes out, but if anyone wants to... Right in. Where do they get to you, Sam?
0: Uh, please email us at listennowpod at gmail.com or you can follow the podcast on socials at listennowpod. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram where I post pictures of my dumbass cat at <laughs> club.meow. And, Matt, where can everyone find you?
1: I'm on Instagram and, and Facebook at Matt Stewart Comedy and on Twitter at MattStew underscore art. Nice. I've been posting some pictures of me in the bath.
0: <laughs> I, they have popped up in my
1: newsfeed. Apologies for that. Um, all right, well, I guess that leaves us with nothing else to say except for goodbye, Astrid. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's, it's up to you.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,